0: what's up guys welcome back to the dr joey muno show i hope you guys are all having a wonderful day today i had a great conversation with a friend of mine david Roden. david actually has lost over 200 pounds himself and has maintained his weight loss for over a decade now i know that often a lot of the people that i have on this podcast as guests are other professionals similar to myself who share very valuable information when it comes to weight loss, health improvement, et cetera. But I was really excited to speak to David because he shared his experience from his perspective. The things that he did well, the things that he struggled with, and he shared a ton of very valuable information that I'm sure will help a ton of you guys. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to announce that I'm officially taking on five new clients for next month. So if you guys have any goals around losing body fat, building muscle, you don't know where to go next, you've been stuck and you want to learn more about nutrition and exercise, this is a perfect opportunity to work with me one-on-one. Since one-on-one coaching is pretty time intensive, spots are limited. So if you want to work with me, make sure you inquire sooner rather than later. The link to the inquiry form is going to be down in the description of this podcast. hope you guys enjoy what's up David hope you're doing well man first and foremost I appreciate you for taking some time to be here today hey I
1: appreciate the invite I'm looking forward to this conversation
0: yeah man and you and I were speaking a little bit before we even started here um you know we connected like it's it's funny because most of the guests that I've had on this podcast I've just connected through Instagram (laughs) Me too. (laughs) yeah as much as people like to hit on social media I was like trying to look at the positive side and how how grateful I am for all the connections that I've been able to make but you and I connected on social media um and we were talking just short just a second ago about the fact that most of the guests that I have on this podcast are fitness professionals right people who have studied nutrition have studied exercise maybe have been personal training for five ten years and have worked with dozens of clients and you know a lot of the recommendations that we give or a lot of the conversations that we talk about are very like top down these are the things that you should do um, and i i'm really excited to talk to you because you've actually lived it right you've made an incredible body transformation um, and not only have you achieved incredible transformation but you've been able to maintain it which is really where people struggle right absolutely. so I'll let you take it away and and share a little bit about what you've accomplished so far
1: absolutely well thank you again for having me on here um, for those of you guys that don't know, my name is David Roden. I'm 32. And this past August celebrates the 10-year mark of me being down around 200 pounds in body fat. Um, a little backstory of how I got there, because that's always seems to be the question of thought. Uh, I weighed over 400 pounds by the time I was 18 years old, pre-diabetic, hypertensive. By the t- I was 300 pounds by the time I was like 14. I was looking at old medical records. Um, funny thing about that is my dad, you probably don't know this yet, um, is an interventional cardiologist. Um, oh, wow. I, grew up, <laughs> I grew up in the medical world. My dad being a cardiologist, my mom's a nurse. I was an EMT in college. Uh, I have a bachelor's degree in biomedical science. And so it's super funny that you, it, it, it's also fascinating how this kind of works too. You can know exactly what you're doing to yourself and still do it anyways. Um, yeah. that's where you can go into the more of the details of things. Um, but yeah, so I weighed over 400 pounds by the time I was 18, I had CT scans of my brain done because my dad's like, all right, what is it? What's going on? And it's really simple. I grew up in a family where dad worked 90 hours a week, 80 hours a week as a cardiologist. And my mom loved me to death and her way of showing love was to pretty much always say yes. And so when you're eight, you're you're 12, 13, 14 years old, you have basically unlimited financial resources and a mom who always says, yes, what do you want? Food and video games. And yeah. so I was eating a Costco size bag of Reese's, like a 24 count of Reese's, peanut butter cups every day. Um, fast yeah. food, two, three, four times a day, playing video games for four, five, six, eight hours until two, three, four in the morning. Um, and so it's a crazy concept. You eat a ridiculous amount of calories and you sit a lot and guess what? You get overweight. Yeah. It's, it's not rocket science. Um, Quick question we, for you. Yep. Sorry, sorry, not to interrupt you, but just oh, one fair. thing
0: that's going on in my mind, your parents, are they relatively healthy? Were they relatively healthy?
1: My dad's a marathon runner. Um, okay. so yeah, he, he did the Chicago marathons. He, he was, a, he was a big runner. Uh, my mom has always been, she was always healthy um, she did go through like gestational diabetes after after everything because like that happens to a lot of women um, but outside of that no like that was health was at least um, on the forefront I, I will say in in high school it because dad worked the amount of hours he did it was kind of just a free fall and we, I grew up in a big house with a lot of friends that would come over so we always have the pantry just stacked full of food. And so it was always, there was always ridiculous access to all of your treats and stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with that if you can control mm-hmm. moderation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Which is and something so, hard
0: for a, teenage, for a teenager to do, right? Yes,
1: yes. And, and that's kind of how the sequence happened we can go into detail on, which was like, I mean, a lot of people that are at, that are three, four, f- 400 plus pounds, especially if it's been a large percentage of your life you think it's who you are. You th- like you get you get this hyper obsession with food. Um, you create these poor relationships with food, and that's what happened to me. Like four hundred pound me, I just didn't think one of the things that really held me captive. We can go into is like the idea of losing two hundred pounds always seems so astronomically impossible. Yeah, you don't really try. Like that. That's yeah. that's one of the biggest things is like you wish you hope. But you you hyperfixate on this the idea of losing 200 that every time you lose five or ten it diminishes what you need to do because you think about the 200 you have to lose and that's what held me trapped for years. I mean, yeah, I had a, a poor relationship with food and all that kind of stuff, but the biggest thing was like this idea: I'm 400 pounds. I'm too far gone. Like I'm 18 years old. No. I'm 400 pounds, pre-diabetic. It's it's over. Like uh, this is this no. is my my life, and it's not true. Uh, but I understand how people can believe that.
0: And so what was the tipping point for you then, right? Because you're, you're talking about the fact that you felt like you were incapable of change, perhaps, right? Which can be um, a pretty scary and lonely thought, right? 100%. You, you want to achieve something, but you feel like it's just not possible. Um, I can't imagine how difficult that might be. And uh what's even more interesting to me is obviously at a certain point you reached a tipping point where you said enough is enough and you decided to make a change, right? How did that how did that happen?
1: It's super important to you know like I'm a huge advocate of understanding well one people make change out of one of two places, inspiration or desperation. Um cool. sadly, it's desperation for most people. Uh mm. it's you have the heart attack, you're diagnosed with diabetes, it's some extreme position that you're like, all right, you feel forced to. Um, Desperation really never did it for me. Um, I I always felt desperate. I was diagnosed pre-diabetes. I had all this kind of stuff happening. Um, And so for me, that was never really the turning point. It was inspiration that really got me to start moving in the right direction. How was, I I was a junior in college and I decided med school wasn't for me. I I didn't want to go the med school route um, I just personally didn't like the hours and where things were and medicine went and just not where I saw from the most extreme avenue, which is cardiology. Yeah. They, they work ridiculous hours. Yeah. Um, but I just I just saw where medicine was going. And I personally just didn't like that lane. And so I was in this kind of transformational period in my life. And I started looking at different what I wanted to do. And it also made me start to look at different people. And um, when I was a junior in college, I got connected with some friends that were big into the business space, entrepreneurship space, um, accountability space, that were just big in like, big into personal development was a, a, a play on that whole bit. And from, from that point, the first book I read was a book called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Mm-hmm. And personally, that book and trying to think about my own life made a profound change. And the reason for that is because it, it got me to break that this belief that of losing 200 pounds. Because you start reading that book, you start breaking down the idea of the compound effect and something we always deal with, which is trust the process. You You build a mild calorie deficit over time, you will lose the weight. It just takes longer than what we want it to. And I was like, all right, well, guess what? If you lose two pounds a week... For a hundred weeks, you lose 200 pounds. I was yeah. like, all right. So if I just focus on losing two pounds a week, I, I could care less about losing 50. Who cares about losing a hundred? I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. I'm 408 pounds at the time. I was like, all right, next week I'm going to be 406. Boom, I hit it. I was like, okay, cool. Let's do, let's do that again. Next week I'll be 404. Boom, I hit it. Next week, 402. Boom, I hit it. I hyper fixated on two pounds a week for the first 50 pounds. I didn't care about losing 50. I didn't care about losing 100. I didn't care about losing 200. I just focused on two pounds a week and celebrated every two pounds I lost. And because I think it's super important to know day one for my transformation, I did not believe at this point in time it was still possible to lose 200. I just didn't care. I just stopped focusing on it. I was just like, all right, two pounds this week. Let's just do it again. Let's just do it again. And then when I stepped on the scale down 50 pounds, I broke down. And I looked myself in the mirror and I was like, David, you're changing your freaking life. Everything about yourself you don't like, you're going to change. And everything you have control over, you're going you're gonna to make the adjustments needed. Um, and then about over the next 18 months after that, I've been down uh, 200 in about just, just short of three years. It took me about just short of three years to drop 200. Um, and uh, yeah, that's kind of the, the sequence. But I think it's super important to know day one, I did not make the decision I was losing 200. Like that was not even a part of the cards yet. I think it's super important to know because a lot of people believe you have to have this big audacious vision day one. Like if you would have told 400 pound me that you were going to drop 200, have two excess skin removal surgeries, compete in two bodybuilding shows, publish a book all day one, I would have said you're out of your mind. Like that's just, there's no way. And that's what's super important is like any type of, I kind of convey it like this, um, setting sweet spot goals. And sweet spot goals are something like this, a goal large enough that excites you, whatever that is, it doesn't even matter. Just make it large enough that excites you, but small enough you truly believe you can hit. Because Mm -hmm. what happens is, is people create these big audacious goals, but if you don't have any type of belief that it's possible, you're never going to take the daily habits and patterns necessary to make it there. And so it's like when people think all they do is focus on thinking about losing 100 pounds, It destroys your confidence and consistency because if you don't believe it, you're just not gonna set the daily patterns. But if you can get get yourself to wrap your head around, I can lose 10 pounds this month. I'm just gonna focus on losing 10 pounds this month. Let's not worry about anything else. Let's just do what I believe I can hit. And then once you get there, you'll see further. And that mentality made a huge shift in my transformation.
0: All right, guys, we're back. I'm sure you're probably noticing a significant improvement in audio quality. And I, I was using the default audio from my laptop. But anyways, to get back on topic, you were mentioning that not hyper fixating on the overall goal was something that helped you tremendously. Right. Yes. And you noticed, you know, you were saying, if somebody told you, you would lose 200 pounds in two or three years, it wouldn't be even something that you believe, right, that you no. believed at the time was possible. And I yeah, I, I think people hyper fixate so much on the end goal. And it can be very daunting. And just from from a different perspective, not even a weight loss perspective, this is something I've experienced recently. And I'm even reflecting on this while you're talking. And it's from like a, a professional standpoint, right? I finished school about three years ago now. Um, had no clue what I wanted to do. And if three years ago, you would tell me that today, I would Own my own business, make a full-time living coaching people online, have a podcast, have a YouTube channel, have a social media following. I would have said that's not possible, (laughs) right? Especially because this whole social media thing was actually something that I've been wanting to do for years before I even started. And I would try a little bit, but not really, because I would see people that were like way ahead of me. And I'm like, man, how did they even get there? Yep. And honestly, my inspiration, I guess doing this isn't out of desperation, but my inspiration Um, was people like Lane Norton, right, which I know you're friends with. And he gave me the opportunity of working with his company and seeing other people in my position, making it was really inspiring. And I just started posting on social media a little bit at a time, started having success there. And I'm like, maybe I'll try this YouTube slash podcasting started doing that starts starts going really well. And it's really been just focusing on small steps one at a time, and not really worrying so much about the end goal. And it's funny that you even mentioned that because and I've said this to people multiple times, I've had younger people reach out to me and say they want to be where I'm at professionally, how do they get there, etc. And I feel like I always give the best slash worst piece of advice, which is that I have never, ever, like had this end goal and like worked towards that end goal. Like typically, the way that I approach things is I see what options I have in front of me at the moment. And I just pick the one that seems to be the best and just work towards that one. Right. So my goals are much more short sighted, but I'm always working towards something that seems very realistic, right? Like, Mm -hmm. if I wanted to do a podcast, just starting the podcast is a win, not necessarily growing to the podcast to a certain number, right. So uh analogy there for weight loss would be simply starting on focusing healthy behaviors in itself is a win not necessarily focusing on losing 200 pounds right so i'm so happy that you brought that up Um, one thing i wanted to ask you is how important was celebrating the small wins uh the small wins along the way for you
1: oh i got a great story so um i got huge into um i'm a huge advocate of neuro-linguistic programming Um, If you don't, if you've never looked into it from a coaching standpoint, highly recommend it. So look, there's some different books out there. Um, It's one of my favorite, because again, there's there's, there's a lot of different modalities or ways to explain how we think. Like there's Mm -hmm. different PhDs and different very, really, really smart people out there that try to create different strategies to explain how the brain works, to explain how things work from a tangible way. Just like nutrition. It's like all right, well, it's calories, it's this, it's this, it's this. Well, then we can go into ATP and how things break down. But it's like, well, we don't have sure. to go that far. So how can we create strategies so the average person can understand? Sure. And so, so the thing about neurolinguistic programming and neuro, neuro, neuro-linguistic associations is to try to create, understand the how, how the brain works, which is at the end of the day, we we live for the idea of acquiring pleasure and deterring pain. Like that's it. That's how we, that's everything we do. If you, if you think about every every action you take in a day-to-day basis, your only thought process at the end of the day is, how do I stay away from too much pain and how do I acquire pleasure? Like that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. And we have good associations and bad associations. Like yeah. we have associations that, that actually help you move towards the direction you wanna go. And then also, poor ones. Like for example, you get bit by a dog when you're four and then all of a sudden for the rest of your life, you're, you're terrified of Pomeranians. It's like, Mm -hmm. that is a overdramatic association that was created at a young age. Um, and so I started really learning about how we do that. And one of the things that holds so many people back from consistency is they do stuff like this, which is number one, when I hear someone, I'm sure you get, it drives you nuts well, I've only lost seven pounds or I've only lost 17 pounds. I'm like, yep. do you understand? You have no idea how much that destroys your your, your idea of progress because yeah. every time you make a good decision, you dismiss it. And every time you, you make a it. poor decision, you just harp on yourself and just think about it. if the, if the If too much pain to the brain equals death and all you do is constantly create more pain with change, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that when I started learning that was I was like, all right, I got to find a way to become my best cheerleader through this process. I got to find a way to enjoy it. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm in college. I'm in the Arfak, which was like our cafeteria. And I okay. had like a, gr- I had a grilled chicken sandwich or no, I had a, I had a grilled chicken salad and I got like three buddies around me. We're, we're eating and I'm like probably 360, 350 at the time, something like that. And, At the table, I stand up. I go, "David, good job!" I high five myself. I sit down and I start eating my grilled chicken salad, and all my buddies think I'm a lunatic. Uh, But in my head, it's like I have to celebrate doing the right things, and like there's nothing that's going to destroy your self progress. Where because it just it's a constant battle where every time you do something wrong, and there's nothing wrong with being constructively critical on making better decisions. There's nothing wrong constructively, not destructively saying you're POS and all this kind of stuff, but constructively being like, Hey, I know David you're capable of better than what you're doing now. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's also the other side celebrating progress. Every chance you get it. Every time you get a chance, like every time you get a chance, acknowledging progress will help you so much with consistency because it'll start to feel good and if every if, if you're if you're like I always warn people if your process for long-term success is punishment you won't win or at least the extreme you got the David Goggins of the world I love him to death they they're out there but the majority of people if if the primary motivator in your life is anger and frustration and like yeah. pain, Most people are not masochists. Most people cannot do day to day pain, 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 pain. They're gonna quit, Um, and you don't have to. Like that's what's super important. Um, I find ways to eat to pleasure myself. Like like this, I I finish my night with with Greek yogurt or like like a Yazo Greek yogurt ice cream bar almost every single night because I still love sugar and I love sweets. Yeah, and I find a way to make it work. And no, you
0: you can't do that.
1: Yes, you can.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, it. you know, what you mentioned there, again, perfectly parallels, like, um, different people's, like, uh, leadership styles, too, right? I'm sure a lot of people have, have had jobs before, where whoever your boss is or whatever, like, operates out of fear, right? And it's just like, if you do poorly, you're going to be reprimanded. Yep. And that, sure works for a period of time. But usually, something not good happens eventually, right, the person doesn't stay, or there's an argument or people don't really grow professionally, because they're not motivated to to improve. Whereas if somebody has been fortunate enough to have somebody in a leadership position who is very inspiring, caring, wants to nurture uh, the best out of you, essentially, um, you tend to succeed, much more in those environments in particular Mm -hmm. right and it's the same with nutrition health fitness at the end of the day positivity wins right you need to find a way to stay positive and this is you know it's so funny because when i work with clients um initially when they first start working with me they think they're hiring me to help them learn how to lose weight right and because at the end of the day that's what people ultimately want right they want to lose Mm -hmm. weight they want to build muscle they want to improve their physique etc um, but they soon realize like they already know how to lose weight. <laughs> like most people know how it's to not, lose weight. I, right? I
1: love doing the quiz on that. It's so funny. Yeah. I'm like, all right, guys, should you have a, uh, big, a big Mac meal with a large fry and a regular Coke, or should you have a small burger, small fry and a diet Coke? Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, but what I was gonna say is they, they soon realize that some of the biggest takeaways they get from coaching is... Well, one accountability, because accountability helps a ton for some people. Mm-hmm. And two, it's like shifts in mindset or shifts in their perspective, right? Um, you know, I do regular check ins with my clients, and I'm very big on language. I had several clients, uh, I'm thinking of one in particular, who's already pretty healthy. Um, definitely not like ripped or super muscular, and like, they want to improve their physique mm-hmm. slightly. And so we've been working together now for several months. And one thing I started to pick up on was that this person had a ton of negative self talk when we did our regular check ins, right? Like, oh, I couldn't help myself from um, from eating this food last night. I'm a fat slob, like literally using that kind of language, right? Yep. When they're first off, already pretty healthy. And so one of the things I really harp on is like, Listen, first thing we need to do is stop using negative language. Because although you may not be doing it purposefully, you associate with the way you describe yourself. Yep. Right. If I tell myself I'm not good at this, I'm not good at that. I can't accomplish that. Well, I'm going to believe that, right? And even as silly as it sounds, because I think some people take it perhaps a little bit too extreme in the other uh, in the other direction, where you know people start talking about like um, just like manifesting your beliefs and stuff. Oh and yeah, hundred Maybe a little bit sunshine too much in the rainbows. other direction. I always say so. It, it's rainbows sometimes rainbows. you. Yeah, <laughs> sunshine and rains, Yeah, but you know just starting to believe that you can accomplish it, being positive, focusing on the things that you're doing well, really does make it feel a lot easier, right? Because as you mentioned, you're not punishing yourself constantly. Instead, you're critically thinking about the areas that you can improve, right? Because, hey, if you messed up, if you did something that perhaps, I'm not even gonna say that you shouldn't do, but that doesn't align with your current goal. I do think it's helpful to think about the situation, why it occurred and strategically come up with um, different plans that you can implement next time, perhaps the situation occurs, right? That would be a way of positively thinking through the situation, Mm -hmm. but not saying I'm a failure, I fucked up, et cetera, right? And definitely celebrating the things that you're doing well. One of the things I do with my clients when we do our check ins is like, okay, tell me what were your big wins over the past week or the past two weeks or last month? That are things that you've been trying to achieve and you've been doing really well with it could be super simple right getting my steps in meeting my my fiber goals etc whatever it may be right but just doing that like you mentioned makes it more pleasurable and if the whole thing is more pleasurable you're going to adhere to it and you're going to achieve success pretty much right
1: yep i mean that's that it's super freaking important like it's funny how you're basically doing di- different nlp mentalities without reading the books like it, again it's, it's just how it works because like yeah. finding ways to like your your words have meaning, so like I'll yeah. do these TikTok lives. So I I'll, I love I love my TikTok lives. TikTok has been, for example, social media. I have such a love hate relationship with. I mean, it's like so many things. It can any any amazing tool can be used for incredible good or incredible evil. It's life. Like nuclear yeah. energy is amazing. Nuclear bombs are really bad. Uh, yeah, 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 it's just how the world works same thing with social media it can help so many people or can really harm people yeah and i do these tiktok lives where in about an hour i'll have i'll have any between five and fifteen thousand people on them oh wow and yeah so Dude, I, you're I, gonna I,
0: have to show me give me some tips on tiktok because I know,
1: so it's you know who's killing it in the posting world is liam if you haven't reached out to liam i highly recommend it
0: who's liam, um,
1: liam is the plant slant you, Not sure I've heard of him. What? So he's going <laughs> viral right now. I, I've been friends okay. with him for a long time. He's, I think he's still in school. He's an okay. RD. He's an RD. RD. Um, I think he's in his final year of um, RD. Uh, ma- his master's and uh, registered dietitian. And at the same time, he's a tech at uh, I can't remember uh, sleep studies. He does sleep studies. Okay. Um, but he has a, a TikTok with it's called the Plant Slant. And he does very Lane Norton, all of us discrediting nonsense. Okay. Um, but he's really f- found his flow lately, and he's up to a half million followers on TikTok. And I've known okay. him since he had like two or three thousand. Um, I have a solid six hundred. You're rocking the six hundred boy. It- it's weird because it's like it. The- <sighs> The algorithms change where it's like the two to five hundred
0: rep range of views realm. Unless you do certain things and really go viral, yeah. it's 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 interesting. I don't know what to do, man. My uh, on Instagram, I post and it does well, and on TikTok, I post the same thing and it doesn't. Yep. But
1: th- flip side of the coin, it can happen the same way. But I, so <laughs> yeah, I do I these guess. TikTok lives, and I'll put like my before and after up, and I'll say diets don't work, and and like you put up some pretty abrasive statements and and before and afters, and people are like, oh wow, yeah. and um. One of the first things I will talk to people on, so people ask this question a lot. Um, someone usually always says every time, like, I'm addicted to food. What do I do? And I go, this is gonna. This may sound condescending. This may sound as um, not being empathetic. But one of the most empathetic things I can do for you right now is to get you to stop using the word addicted. Like just like it doesn't mean I'm not telling you to act like you don't have a poor relationship with food. You, yeah. Uh, like there's nothing wrong with saying you have a poor relationship with food. You use food to cope with stress. You all this kind of stuff. It's real and it, and and it's something to be worked on. However, when you say the word addiction, mm-hmm. we we have we have vocabulary and definitions for words. So when you use the term addiction. You are giving food more power than it needs to have. And you, people don't understand by just shifting your verbiage from I'm addicted to food to I have a poor relationship with food and I'm working on yeah. it. That opens doors. Now that you yeah. actually have the opportunity to get control. When you're addicted to something, you just gave it all of its power. You, had, yeah. you lose all power.
0: But when yeah. you say
1: I have a poor relationship with something and I'm working on getting better with it, that opens doors. You people don't like that actually makes it from impossible to now possible. like possible. Like that actually yeah. opens doorways. And so I was like, the first thing, man, out of anything, just just shift your verbiage. Like I I I know it may sound trivial now, but it makes a huge difference in the long run.
0: Yeah, essentially not using language that implies that you cannot change, mm-hmm. right? Because addiction, in many ways, impl- implies that I can't really change because I'm addicted to this thing. I, I rely on this thing, right? Um, that's that's. I don't think that's not empathetic at all. I mean with the explanation that you gave it's funny because some people are are overly sensitive to some of those I know. things right oh
1: my gosh I'm um, in a world it's dangerous <laughs> yeah
0: it's so funny man because when i started in this field professionally so after school so my background is all um academics right yeah. bachelor's master's phd in nutritional sciences did research for years did a, a postdoctoral fellowship like it has just nice. been academics and i did work as a personal trainer for several years but i was a lot younger I was about 20, 21 years old. So I was an adult, but definitely not as mature mentally or emotionally as I am now. So I didn't think about these things when I worked with people. And honestly, as a personal trainer, I was just more focused on training than anything else, right, Mm -hmm. like resistance training itself and not talking about behavior change and all of these things. And so when I um, entered into the, the professional field, um, I knew I wanted to work with people, and you wanted to help people. And I thought, like, oh, the information that I have is what's going to be helpful, and that's not true. The information is helpful, but it's like when I say information, I mean like actual nutrition science, actual exercise science. That's not what's very helpful, right? Some of these other things are. And I've I, I started to write a a book that I wanted to be essentially like an encyclopedia on nutrition and exercise for people to help to, to help people improve their health. And I've rewritten it, or restarted writing it now or restructured it, I should say, probably six or seven times. Mm -hmm. Because when I first started, it was just like, nutrition matters. This is the nutrition science. This is what you need to know, hardcore science. Then I shifted it a bit from what you were talking before, instead of talking about ATP and electron transport chain, and, and all of these fancy terms that I thought were important to know, I rewrote it in a way um, where it's like way more digestible and saying like these are the things that you should do and this is why you should do them, right? Focus more on whole foods. So it's a lot simpler. And then where I'm at now, <laughs> I'm telling you this has changed a ton, is not even talking about nutrition or exercise first, but just talking about mindset. 100%. Right? The importance of not thinking dichotomously the importance of celebrating progress, the importance of embracing a growth mindset, which is just embracing challenges, understanding it's gonna be hard and being okay with that. And so where I'm at now, I have an entire section in the book where it's, it's just that, before we even start talking about nutrition or physical activity, because I think it's that important. And it's funny what you mentioned about um, using the word uh, addiction being crippling because it implies that you, you can't even make change in the introduction of the book the first thing that i talked about is like step one is believing that you can achieve what you want to achieve because if you don't believe it like you've already lost before even starting mm-hmm. right and i think that's also i mean all these topics tie into each other but that's why it's so important to set a goal that is actually realistic to start right or having an ultimate goal but then breaking it down into smaller sub goals like like you did doing 10 pounds at a time or whatnot and then when you achieve each of those small sub goals celebrating in a way, because that just reinforces those positive behaviors. And it's just funny because like a third of the book is this stuff without 100%. even talking you about it. Like, right? yeah. If
1: you have, if like that, the whole thing is anyone who is, is growth mindset, not ego driven, but actually mm-hmm. give it like actually care. They're, they're the first ones to acknowledge missing pieces or, or like, um, variables in, in, uh, in a way that goes, uh, this is observable variable that we need to acknowledge. Like, for mm. example, it drives me nuts. All right. There's a lot of things in the uh, TikTok and, and Instagram, that me nuts. <laughs> but <laughs> it's like all the, all the different zealots of all the different subset diets. And like, it's funny. Cause it's like, I'm not here to say, don't go vegan. I'm not here to say, don't yeah. go carnivore. I'm not saying don't go paleo. Like, well, I will, I will challenge you on things that aren't actually scientific. They're just made up like, there's, mm-hmm. but if those are systems and parameters, this is when, when Lane has done the documentary with us, um, the documentary we have coming out where, um, I mean, even Lane says it too. Like it's, we're not saying you can't use these Correct. different pillars, but the, the context of the pillar and why you're using it is wrong. Like, yes. If intermittent fasting is a system that helps you control your calorie intake, great. Totally fine. Skip breakfast, baby. It, it's not, that's not, it's fine. If you think breakfast is making you fat, that's an issue. Like, that's yes. an issue. And yes. so it's so funny because I'll just sit there and go, guys, like, I, I remember I was doing it live and this guy, I was, I was calling out the factual incorrect nature of intermittent fasting. And mm-hmm. I was saying, guys, it is a great tool to control calorie intake. If skipping breakfast and stopping after eight o'clock is a system that helps you control your calorie intake, great. There's nothing wrong with it. Breakfast is not making you fat, and eating after eight o'clock is not making you fat. And this guy's in my comment thread going, "Dude, I've lost 160 pounds. Intermittent fasting is the way." And I'm like, "Dude, like I'm so like it's amazing, man. Like yeah. I'm not disacknowledging what yeah. you've done. What you're doing is great. Keep doing it." It's not because you're not eating breakfast and eating after eight o'clock. The yeah. food, the I can, I can show you the human controlled trials. It does not matter. Yeah. yeah. And it, and like the, your ego gets so pulled into it because like so, then you get the people that's like just just count calories and don't do anything else. I'm like no. If someone if someone using intermittent fasting doesn't feel restrictive to them and it's their way of controlling calorie intake, I'm hundred percent for it. I'll say, yeah, that's why it's like when, when you're dealing with clients and stuff and same thing with me, I'm always going about in my ear going, all right, is this person white knuckling it? Or is this someone, is this person doing a process that they enjoy that I can see them doing for the next 40 years? And I'll be, I've dealt with clients from like, don't weigh out your food. I'll tell them stop, stop doing it. This, this is like, it's, it's clear that you're having a really hard time with the rigidity nature of it all. So let's pivot. Let's look at because ultimately here's the hierarchy of importance. Calories, protein, whole foods, fiber, blah, blah. blah. How yeah. can we create a different strategy that doesn't feel so restrictive that gets you the same outcome we were trying to do? And that's yeah. what like that's the hardest thing is getting to someone to break that mentality of diet and like yeah. l- like, okay, how do I have a lifestyle that I can do for the next 40 years? What are yeah. some parameters that like I Im- immediately um, I'm always thinking to myself, okay, 40 years, what's the plan for 40 years? Because if it's not 40 years, what's the point? Like that's where, yeah.
0: yeah. Dude, so much gold in what you just mentioned. And I'll start off by saying that I agree with every single point that you mentioned. Um, <laughs> I never would discourage somebody from following a certain way of eating if it works for them. Mm-hmm. Right. But similar to you, thinking that the reason you're achieving a certain goal is because inherently, this method has some magical benefits is not helpful, right? Because it goes back to the mindset thing that we were saying that if you break that behavior, then you inherently think that you're doing something that is fattening, which is not true, right? So people who are like zealots about intermittent fasting, they think that it's the fact that they're fasting itself that is beneficial. And if they break that fasting window, they've immediately done something bad and feel really bad about it and perhaps maybe even punish themselves. So it just goes back to the behavior thing and the mindset thing, right? Where it's like, hey, intermittent fasting, like you mentioned, is a great tool to control your energy intake. For some people, it works really well. I've used it in the past. I've loved it. It, You know, like, I it's do funny myself. because- from, That's the
1: funniest yeah. part. I eat at noon, four yeah. and eight pretty consistently. Yeah. I like bigger meals less often. That's, that, that's my- yeah. But am I afraid to occasionally go out to breakfast with some friends? No, I'll freaking go eat some breakfast (laughs) with some
0: friends. (laughs) Yeah. And that's why it's so important to combat the the misinformation, right? Because like you could be doing something that's helping you, but you're screwing yourself up just because you think that it's working for a reason that it's not. And so you punish yourself when you break that rule for whatever particular reason, right? And it's it's funny because like if we look at general population data. People who eat breakfast have better body composition outcomes. It's for a number of different reasons. So for most of my clients, I do recommend like somebody who's never focused on this stuff. I'm like, okay, what are the rules or the general behaviors that the data show that improve health? Having a nice, well-balanced breakfast, focusing on protein, focusing on fiber, et cetera. Right. But then we tailor that if the person's like, oh man, I'm just not hungry in the morning and I'd rather push it back. Like by all means do it. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Yep. It's just don't think that the fact that you're skipping breakfast is turning you into a fat burning, a machine, fat burning machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, right. I was
1: I was on a I was I was doing this TikTok battle with this okay. Not all chiropractors are bad, but god, there's a lot of them that are just just horrible. Just the horrible. The TikTok ones horrible. are horrible. Bad. There's this one out there, um he uh he has his fast like our ancestors protocol. Flow. Yeah, man. Um, And then now he's on the feel great system and he's doing, it's all like, well, but it's, the name does it all too. My favorite is the guy, the guy promotes peptides and semi-glutide, but also has fast like our ancestors, which then he sits there and blame. I went, I had this like 15 video, like one Back after the forth. other, just going at him. And then Liam, the uh-huh. plant slant finally reached out to me and goes, bro, I love you. You need to let it go. <laughs> Cause I'm just sitting there just like, I'm just, this guy keeps blaming insulin and I'm like, dude, how in the how in the world can you blame insulin for obesity whilst, while promoting semi-glutide? Yeah. Semi-glutide literally increases insulin yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, post, post-consumption. So like, what, yeah. what, what, that doesn't even make sense. Like if you say yeah, it's yeah. insulin, what, that doesn't, that, that, like, it's, it's just like, dude, there's so much of what you're saying is nonsense. And like, yeah. I'm going back and forth with this guy. He sends me some clinical articles that were just nonsense. Just yeah. like, oh, he, he sent me a, one of his clinical, one of his evidence-based reasons was a book written in 1919 on fasting. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, and then just a bunch of epidemiologic stuff, a bunch of just, just nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but him and I are going back and forth on it all. And oh, dang it, where was I going with this? We are talking about intermittent fasting. We are talking about... I, because I was even telling him, I was like, "Dude, I do intermittent fasting, but I don't yeah, do yeah. it because of insulin, man." Like, and I was yeah. pre-diabetic; I had all the, the the what what you would consider to be all these issues, yeah. insulin resistance. And it's just not friggin' true. It's just not. And yeah. him and I were just going back and forth. It just, oh,
0: yeah, it's exhausting. It's, so, it's yeah, it's crazy, man. That some people are just not willing to even entertain
1: yeah um, well, that, that's the ego yeah. side of things. And that's where
0: yeah.
1: um, being like when when you're tr- I, I love the way Lane says this when it comes to for anyone that's trying to think about a, a coach or who you should listen to, it's tough because the Dennis Kruger effect, which is uh, the Dunning Kruger effect, which is basically the idea the people that speak in ultimates usually have the least amount of information. At least education. And the people who speak in possibilities and nuance and potentially are the people who are objectively trying to be as honest as possible. The problem is most people, since they don't have confidence in themselves, like to listen to people who sound like they're the most confident. But the people who sound the most assertively confident are also the ones that tend to be the zealots that have no idea what they're talking about.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's true, man. It's true, but you know, I don't know. I I totally get that perspective, but I get so much positive feedback on my content that mm-hmm. I don't know. I I I think there's also a good amount of people who are kind because I feel like social media is so overly saturated with that kind of person. True, all right? the
1: fear-based shirtless yes. pictures in the middle of Where shirtless it's like, videos.
0: <laughs> yeah, and this guy completely contradicts this guy
1: liver candy. and they
0: both are 100% confident in their method, right? Yep. So I think people kind of wait, maybe not like the first time they start to try to learn about nutrition and stuff. But if you've been trying to improve your health for let's say a couple months, and you've been seeing these people on social media, and you see that all these people are contradictory, and then you come across somebody who's presenting information in a slightly more nuanced perspective. I think there's something about that that is very attractive to
1: it's coming because
0: around. yeah, because I don't think the short videos that I make or the things that I talk about are that spectacular spectacular or attention grabbing. You know, they're just very simple things like we're talking about here with with a ton of nuance They're nothing like keen videos or some of these videos that are like really eye catching. Right. Yeah. Yet people seem to really appreciate it and seem to uh, to enjoy the information more and more. So I do think like there's a certain shift occurring in the environment just because of how overly saturated that type of person is on social. Yeah, yeah, Ugh. yeah. And there's I really think, not many people providing things with the perspective that you and I are really,
1: I think over time, I think, I think you're completely right. Now it's one of those things where how do you do it in a, in a, in a healthy manner? Because knowing I always think about, okay, so at the end of the day, people are, 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 pulled by either the deterrent of pain or the requirement of pleasure. And whether you like it or not, most people are primarily driven by pain than pleasure. Mm -hmm. Like they're more worried about at the end of the day, uh, painful situations than pleasure. Um, And that's why on social media, people who tend to use information of fear and like watch out for this, is so eye-catching because most people are driven primarily by fear. Now I think it's getting better, um, but that is such an inherent nature in people which is like fear, 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 pain, 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 stay away, stay away. So what do I need to do to stay away from this? And like that is such a, um, it holds a lot of people captive because most people, it's a scary thought. I want to find if this statistic is true because obviously you hear things anywhere and you don't know if it's true. But uh, I heard someone was saying that 85% of people don't have one level of um, conscious thought um, because their only conscious thought is based upon immediate A and B, A and B. But the question, like only 15% of people in America have the ability to go, all right, go above A and B. Does A actually equal B? And then you can go to tertiary Mm. thought, which is like, all right, is my perception of A and B the only possibility? Is someone else seeing A and B in a completely different light than I'm seeing mm-hmm. A and B? Um, so that's tertiary, and then you can keep on going up. Uh, but it's like only 15% of people even question A and B. And yeah, or so even like,
0: think about like, um, what's the term? Like subsequent effects, right? Yes. That's not the appropriate term, but like, okay, let's say they, they think doing this will achieve certain outcome. They don't think about the repercussions or the effects that doing that thing will have. Yes. Right. So, for example, intermittent fasting. My friend told me intermittent fasting works because of X, Y, Z reasons and it causes weight loss. I'm going to do it. But they don't even take a second to think about what perhaps are the other effects or repercussions of doing so. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's why, unfortunately, so many people fail to achieve their goals, man, because it goes back to something you were saying about um restriction right too much restriction not good right Mm -hmm. and you were just mentioning it's funny because i posted a video early today using the same exact language it's like you need to be restrictive in a way that doesn't feel restrictive yes and that sounds confusing right and that's why you can intermittent fast you can follow a low carb diet you can do xyz some of those from a from a health perspective i would say are not the best Um, like I would definitely argue that a carnivore diet is not the best from a health-based perspective, right? For obvious reasons. But regardless, I'm not recommending anybody do that, but like, will that help some people lose weight and improve their physique? Sure. It totally would. Right. And some people hate vegetables and fruits and really like steak and they'll just eat a ton of steak and nothing else. And it doesn't feel that restrictive for them. And that might work for that person. Right. I even, I hate saying i not hate, but I, I don't even like saying that will work for that person because I'm like so against just only eating animal-based foods, and that's coming from a guy that eats a ton of steak. It's <laughs> so it's funny. Like,
1: I'm the same way, but it's, yeah. it's like. But then I go, okay, cool. the The biggest issue with primarily animal-based is saturated fat. Okay, well, how can I get them to eat animal-based but just make sure we limit their saturated fat as yeah. much as possible? Okay, but also if lack of
0: fiber. Yeah, L- that's one big one. It's like. Are you gonna die if you don't eat fiber tomorrow no but there's just so much data that fiber is so good for everything reducing yep. risk of cancer cardiovascular disease diabetes all cause mortality you name it yep right so it's just like and then people want to deny that and it's like how do you deny that so for me it's like yes we also want to focus on our health losing weight if you are very overweight and building muscle is probably the number one thing that's going to improve your health but if you care about some of these other things as well like Man, just focusing on your fibers not that hard, and you can't do it if you only eat steak, yeah. right? Um, it's but so. We, but yeah, go it, ahead. Sorry, it's
1: it's so funny because like, because I, I always go back to this is like you have like in my in my mind because of how unhealthy my life was, mm-hmm. um, and I think about I, I I always have to go back to like my my explanation of looking at nutrition is this number one, calories, number two, protein, number three, whole foods, fiber, number four, meal timing. That's my heart. Mm-hmm. Hi- when it comes to nutrition, that's my hierarchy of importance. Yes. Um, and I sit there and go, I could give a, I could care less if you eat Twinkies all day. If you control your calorie intake, your blood yeah. work will get better period. Yes. End of discussion. Yes. So it's like, so, okay. If all I can get them to do is control their calories that's, an, that's number one. Mo- like, yeah. I always think, what's going to kill you first? What's going to harm you first? And so, okay, let's get that under control. And then once they start feeling better, then we'll move to the next level. And once they get that figured out, then we'll move to the next level. Um, yeah. Now, meal timing really doesn't really matter at all. But <laughs> other than maybe, like again, there's subtle nuance, eat breakfast, a couple things. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But like, people get super annoyed with me when people – like, I'll have friends – um, that'll start talking about organic foods and they go into all that whole world, which is funny. Um, but I'm like, dude, guess what? You can eat. So you, you, don't have to worry about it because you're at a position right now, which I think is a good, con- a good, a slide conversation into you don't overconsume calories naturally. So mm-hmm. guess what? You don't even have to worry about that, which is totally fine. That's not something you have to even think about because your natural hunger cues are in a position where you have that threshold done automatically without you thinking about, which is totally fine. But the way I think is I go from worst case scenario first and move backwards. And so you can talk about eating whole foods and fiber and limiting glyphosate and all this kind of stuff all (laughs) you want. But if this is not intact, if calories isn't a part of the conversation, It does not matter. That's why I always go into like – so then when you go into weight loss surgery, weight loss medications, I think it's super important because what's great about me, and this isn't an ego play on this, is I don't have an ego in my transformation, meaning I lost weight and have kept it off for a decade with no surgery, with no drugs. Am I against it? No. Of course no, not. No, yeah. of course not. That that's to be so narcissistic. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah. no, there are people that I still have crazy hunger that I have to deal with, and I've created strategies that help work for me, that help me control my calorie intake. Would I be naive to think there are people worse off than me? Of course there are. And so that's yeah. where like weight loss surgery and weight loss medications, they absolutely have their place. Yeah. With the caveat. That it goes in with understanding lifestyle and everything else. Like, oh my gosh, there's some, there's some obesity med doctors on TikTok and Instagram that drive me nuts because all they do is say semi-glutide over and over and over again. And like, and I just, it just, it just drives me absolutely bonkers because like (sighs) they don't even talk about proper lifestyle, nutrition, mindset, physical fitness. It's just like, here's the next clinical study on, on GLP ones. And I'm like, it just drives me nuts. Yeah,
0: Yeah, it really is an integrated approach, right? Um, I have a number of clients who use semaglutide alongside working on lifestyle modification. And across the board, what all of them tell me is that it's easier to develop lifestyle modification when they have medication that helps them regulate their hunger. Yep. Because you know, for a myriad of reasons, they felt like before it was practically impossible for them to regulate their hunger. And that's something that's really hard for me to relate to, because I haven't experienced that to that degree. Yep. Although I was very overweight as a child, not to the extent that you were or anything like that. But I, I, you know, losing weight was something that I struggled with a ton when I was 12, 13 years old. But I, I get it, man, some people are a lot uh, worse off right? with regulating hunger cues, with their relationship with food, et cetera. And if there's something that can help them and they understand that this is an aid so that they can also improve the lifestyle, it's 100%. it's a win-win, right? It's
1: a, it's a win-win. Um,
0: are you tired of spending countless hours grocery shopping, cooking, and preparing your meals? I get it. Time is precious and that's where Icon Meals comes into play. I've partnered with Icon Meals to bring you delicious, macro friendly and high protein meals that will make it easier than ever for you to achieve your fitness goals. I understand that you may have hesitations over the cost of a meal prep service compared to cooking food at home, but let's face it, how often do you spend more money eating out because you didn't have time to prepare your food at home anyways? With Icon Meals, you not only save time, but you invest in your health. These meals are carefully crafted to be healthier and more in line with your fitness goals than most of the food that you eat out anyways. So why wait? Visit iconmeals.com and explore their wide array of mouth-watering meals. And as a special bonus for listening to this podcast, use code JOSEPH10 at checkout for a special discount off of your order. By the way, you can find all of the necessary links in the description of this podcast. Don't let time be a barrier to your success. Choose Icon Meals and fuel your journey towards a healthier, fitter you. I wanted to touch on something that you mentioned uh, a second ago when it comes to the hierarchy of importance. Mm -hmm. And I set the hierarchy very similar to you, um, but I don't like to think of it as just like variables that are independent to each other. right because the way i like to explain it is i really like to separate nutrition into three variables energy intake calories being the predominant most important variable food choices being above that and that includes protein fiber whole foods etc and then above that nutrient timing and the the way that i like to describe it is the reason why the subsequent variables that are above energy intake are important is because they influence the variable below it right so nutrient timing in many ways is important because it influences food choices. When's the last time you ate a 24 pack of Reese's for breakfast? Probably rarely. When's the last time you had a salad with some grilled chicken, uh, while watching a movie before bed, probably not too often, right? So your food choice or your, your nutrient timing in many ways, when you eat can influence the foods that you eat and then the foods that you eat in many ways influence your hunger and satiety, which influences your energy intake. Right. So these variables are related. I hate when people are like food choices or calories, like what's more important. It's like, no, like they influence each other. They're both important, right? At the same time, you can argue like, yes, calories are important, but if you cut calories too much, that's also not good, good, because then it limits other things. It makes you be hungry, et cetera. So I always think of it from the perspective of like, what behaviors can we implement that help you regulate your hunger and satiety so that you can reduce your caloric intake yep. right and it's funny cuz i've gone back and forth thinking about this like is it more important to teach somebody about tracking their calories first and why calories are important or is it more important to talk about some of these other behaviors and develop the behaviors because they then inherently Naturally influence do it. The intake yep. and what i've what i've arrived to now is like i slightly introduce energy intake. This is why calories are important. But all of these things make it easier for you to eat less calories. Yep. And so we need to focus on these behaviors, so that we can control our energy intake, right? Because how often do people like know that calories are important, they track their calories, do nothing else, and then they're, they still can't reduce their calories, because it's hard, right? Yep. It's hard if you don't do these things. And I actually did a presentation on hunger and satiety regulation um, for a seminar that we had here in Tampa. And the first thing I talked about is like most people that understand that calories matter, what they do is take their diet, make no changes and eat half the amount of food they were eating before. If somebody went to Starbucks and had a large caramel frappuccino, whatever you want to call it, or grande, whatever the, the actual term is. And like, uh, I don't know, a muffin or whatever. And that was their breakfast. Now they'll try to have a small caramel frappuccino in half the muffin. What happens? Like, yeah, you eat less calories, but now you're freaking starving. Yeah. You have right? no so food. Not- you're barely eating. Yeah exactly and that's why i think all of these variables are so important man and it's like the more i think about it the more i realize like all of it matters at once yeah it's not all you
1: you have to like you have like uh, that's what it does drive me nuts when you get these fit bros that all they say is calorie deficit and i'm like do you like do you understand how condescending that is to someone that like it's just like there to someone who's eating Pizza and ice cream and regular soda all day, and you just tell them calorie deficit. Like, okay, so they're just gonna eat half. They're gonna, yeah. instead of having three cans, they're gonna drink two cans. And then, they, and I'm like, you know, like, you know how starving they're gonna feel? And they're gonna blame yeah. themselves because they've never understood prioritizing protein. They've never understood yeah. prioritizing whole food and fiber, and, and the under, and, and the importance of it. Not not the well, it gets you your vitamins and bit and and, and yeah, minerals, yeah, yeah, Billy. Yeah. Like yeah, of course that plays a role, but it's like it's the fullness you get. Like when you yeah. when, I, when I my biggest thing is it's so funny when I get people, it's. It's a little above the clinical data, but so. It, it, but this is my rule of thumb: is I try to get people to one gram per pound of lean body mass or goal body mm-hmm. weight as fast as possible, in protein, um, because. And I'm even I even at times if I get someone there and they're at a decent calorie intake and they're still super hungry, I'll I'll have them jump to 1.2, 1.3, because yeah. um, I'm just trying to find different strategies to get their hunger under yeah. control, um, and so I'll even jump people to 1.2, 1.3. If we've tried everything else and they still, and potentially it's above my pay grade, but drugs and surgery could be a role for them. Um, but like getting someone to just try to hit their goal, body weight and protein per day, the people find like, oh my gosh, I'm so I'm so full now and I'm eating like David, I'm actually struggling to eat 2,100 calories, just hitting my protein goal. And I'm like, isn't that fascinating? You're yeah. more full now and you're literally eating half the calories you used to be eating. Yeah. This is why it's important to talk about these these nuances where if you just scream calorie deficit like a lot of these Fit Bros do, it's like you're already yeah. eating these types of foods so that you don't understand the hunger that some of these people are dealing exactly. with. Exactly. Oh, and
0: they can't oh, relate, I, right? They can't relate. They're like, I did this, it works for me, it must work for everybody. And yeah, yes, ultimately a calorie deficit is necessary, but like you mentioned, some people don't have to focus on some of these things because they naturally do these things. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, yeah, if I tell you like, hey, focus on protein, and you already eat a ton of protein, like you don't need to focus on that. Right. And that's why like, it's I, yeah, one of the first things I like to do is really talk to clients like, what behaviors they're doing right now, and which they're not doing and just like simply try to add some of these really helpful behaviors. Yeah. And what I like to explain is like, the first thing we should do is identify what levers we can pull that give you the biggest return on investment being time yes I mean,
1: what, what can I do that's gonna take the least amount of effort to move the needle the most that's always like yeah. my first thing I think
0: yeah.
1: do you drink regular pop transition to diet baby like regular. that's all we're gonna do like you're just, yeah. you're just do you drink regular you're gonna to transition to diet but I heard diet thought it's bad for you dude, whoever yeah. told you its stop listening to him. Stop. <laughs> dude
0: I wanted I wanted to ask you personally since we were talking about you know, All of these different methods are effective. Yep. Um, I'm sure perhaps when you started, you did a ton of things that you stuck with. You did a ton of things that you made mistakes with, right? And so what are some of the biggest mistakes that you made when you started? And what are some of the behaviors that you've carried with you that have been really helpful? Perhaps perhaps things now that are not as simple as like, consume adequate protein, because people already know that, right? But maybe some unique things, like you mentioned, you have a Greek yogurt bar before bed because you like sugar and that helps you Control your cravings. Give us a little bit of detail on this.
1: Dude, it's so fun because being down 200 pounds for a decade now, I look back at all the things that I did were fit bro science. And I'm like, and it's super funny. So here's some context for you. Dad being a cardiologist, he's very by the book. Like show me clinical research, let's have a discussion. Like, but you're like, don't, don't just, this is what happens. Don't just give me pathways. Because there are so many freaking pathways. People who use yeah. mechanisms, mecha- like they're often naive as crap because the body's yeah. so much more complex than one freaking mechanism. And so I did low cost. So this is how a sequence went. So I started out with um, carb cycling because I was actually, this is kind of crazy. I started in a network marketing company. And I was in a network marketing company called Vima. It was, do you remember Verve, the healthy energy drink? No. From like 10 years ago. It, it went viral. Um, I was one of the. I was about to be the poster child for the whole weight loss. So Chris and Heidi Powell were like the nutritional fitness experts. You know who Chris and Heidi Powell are. No. Okay. So they had they had a, a TV show called Extreme Weight Loss on ABC. Okay. Um, and so their whole methodology was carb cycling. So I started out okay. carb cycling. Obviously, it helped me prioritize protein, and I I had mm. high carb days, low carb days. But then you start doing that and what happens? Wow, the low carb days, I'm losing weight faster. Glycogen water. It's not rocket science. Yeah. But at the time I was naive, even though I had a yeah. freaking I was I was taking a physiology and all this kind of stuff, which is hysterical yeah, yeah. how I can get caught. Um and so then you get incentivized to go more low carb, more low carb more lower carb because you start losing weight faster. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So then I went from carb cycling to low carb. And I was super low carb for a pretty extended period of time. Now, okay. with that being said, I was still a moderation guy, and so I would have cheat meals at the time. I didn't call them indulgence meals yet. Um, once or twice a week, where I would eat like an a-hole, like go to a go to an Indian buffet and he'd eat like seven thousand calories type stuff. Yeah, um, which in and of itself is a pretty nad pretty. Pretty poor cycle yeah. to create. I do that
0: probably once a month with sushi. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that's that's where I went down. And then I really, because of the instant gratification of low carb, I really started diving into that world. I even got in arguments with my dad about low carb and insulin, mo- fat insulin model, the whole shebang. And dad's just like, it's not true. Here you go. Here's these clinical studies. And I'm like, you're wrong. And <laughs> I was a zealot. I was 100% a yeah, zealot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but it then, worked. It works. It 100 percent yeah. worked. Um, because of the hyper restriction, the calorie the, the massive focus on protein and then low carb, you just it, it built a calorie deficit. There's no yeah. question. What's also funny, I used to so I never drank a lot of regular pop when I was 400 pounds. however, I was a huge diet soda person at my heaviest to the point where my dad being the type of, he's a very fiscally conservative type guy. Okay. I showed him how we would, I was drinking probably 20 to 20, 20 diet Cokes a day at 400 pounds.
0: Hydration, baby.
1: Hydration. <laughs> uh, but because the culture I was in, which was very holistic and yeah. f- it started getting into the fear-based world. I but Okay, step back. Um, I ta- I almost talked my dad into putting a fountain diet coke machine in our house because I showed him how it was gonna save us money.
0: That's like, I was like,
1: I was like, Dad, here's the, here's how many we're drinking as a family. If we yeah. put a fountain diet coke machine in the house, we're gonna save this amount of money. So <laughs> it's worth it. Like that's how that's how big I was on diet soda back yeah. in the day. But then with I got really into the the naturalist world, the low carb world, the fear of all that world, I used to think diet soda played an actual role in my obesity. And so I stopped drinking all diet soda for years, for okay. two, three, four years. Um, and then I, I I just was honest. And I started looking at the clinical research again about four or five years ago. And I was like, it wasn't the diet soda. It wasn't there. Yeah. So I started incorporating it back. And like I'm leaner, healthier, and everything with it with having a couple a day because it just helps with my sweet tooth. And yeah. I have a sweet tooth. And so Same like here. drinking a freaking a couple diet sprites and stuff helps me, zero sugar sprites, um, helps me immensely stay away from cookies. And yeah. so it just, it, it helps. Yeah. And um, and so like I, that's one that full cycle on. I went from 15 to 20 re- diet sodas a day to the point where then I went to fear diet soda. And I literally said it played a big role in my obesity, which then was naive to now I'm like I'm drinking diet sodas again telling people guys yeah it's fine it's yeah. like like it, it is and not um,
0: only is it fine and this is so controversial it's actually
1: incentivized data. i yeah. that's did you see my video on this i'm like i, I did can see show you the control it. trials on this yeah. man.
0: and i've i've shared so many of those studies just showing specifically in populations who struggled with weight who achieved weight loss those who incorporate non-nutritive sweeteners will say we won't just say soda because that includes different beverages, right? Like, I'm a huge fan of like diet, sweet tea, I I fuck up some diet, sweet tea, man. (laughs) (laughs) But but, um, they actually have better weight loss maintenance than people who avoid them altogether. And all the blood work is better. Yeah, for the reason that you mentioned, it just helps control cravings, right? Like, man, if I want something sweet, and I just allow myself to have something sweet, And that thing that is sweet has no calories, it's a win win. Yep. Right. Um, Yeah. Dude, like,
1: dude, that, dude, like, cause actually it's so funny because you are actually the person. So I did that live or I did that podcast with his name, Zach Rancy or something. All right. He's, uh, it's tough because I don't want to. Is he like
0: like, on the opposite side of everything we're talking about for the most part?
1: All right. How do I say this in the most respectful way possible? He's extremely uneducated. I don't want to yeah, call yeah. him dumb, but like, literally, no proper education at all. On yeah. The most extreme opposite end. And I'm okay. Like, how, okay. So he was on Big Brother. So he, he was on Big Brother, the, the, um, TV show.
0: Okay. So he's not he familiar this, with it either. Dude, I don't know anything about I don't, like popular yeah, I don't, media. I, don't, I never
1: watched that crap, but mm-hmm. like, the, the, um, what do you call those? Those are the, uh, what do you call those TV shows? They're called uh, Soap. Uh, not soap like, operas, but I don't know. Live TV, um, whatever. whatever reality, TV, yeah. reality, reality TV. Reality TV. Yep. Uh, he was on the reality TV show, which is um, Big Brother. And so he built this big following off that, okay. just being on TV. And then he became a life coach. Mm. And like, and the whole thing is like he he ran some ironmans and which is super cool like the discipline yeah. what it takes to do that kind of stuff if you're teaching somebody based upon the educational results of you that you've done totally get it so if like you were teaching people how to how to go couch potato to run an ironman love it yeah. but then he started doing these he's a life coach and he's he's teaching nutritional advice that yeah, is yeah, just yeah. horrible it's just bad yeah. advice and I'm I'm doing a TikTok one TikTok lives got like 10,000 people on it and I got a diet Coke in my hand. And he's, he's, he's commenting going, I can't believe you're telling people uh, how to, con- how to be properly nutritious, um, or nutritional advice while drinking a diet Coke. And I'm like, bro, you have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, it's cl- like, you just, you're not, you, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, and he, yeah. he keeps going. He f- I finally get on this guy's podcast and I knew it was going to be bad. Like, I knew he yeah. was gonna use it for clickbait, and I knew he was gonna just because because like he does it. It's the healthy un, It's the binary, healthy unhealthy, nutritious bad for you, good for. Like, and like teaching people and understanding that good for you, bad for you, doesn't exist. It's not real. Yeah. Like yeah. at all. Like it's across the board. Like yeah, I, I I'm, I'm I'm doing this TikTok live. Or I'm doing a, a podcast with him on his podcast, and I'm trying to explain to him like okay. The, the greatest example I can teach you on how good for you and bad for you isn't real and healthy and un- unhealthy is not real is water. Like if you go three days in a really bad environment, like in a desert, you die from dehydration. Yeah. If you drink three gallons of water a day for a few weeks, you're going to dilute your electrolytes to the point where you can have seizures and die.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it, was in both,
1: he, he couldn't conceptualize it. And so he keeps trying to break down well, what in diet soda is good for you? And I'm explaining to him, well, water's good for you and the synthetic sugars give you the feeling of sugar without the actual calories. So it's helping your total calorie intake, which is helping you be at a better better physical fitness. And I was trying to explain to him, like at the end of the day, being at a proper weight is one of the most fundamental things we can do for our health. And the if most. something, it's, it's literally, yeah. and so I'm trying to explain them to him. He's like, what in diet soda is good for you? I'm like, I'm like, water (laughs) i'm like water and and he goes and i go i'm sitting there going dude honestly based upon the actual potential adverse health effects of diet soda it would take 50 100 200 cans a day for the aspartame to get to a level that even potentially puts you at risk i was like it's 50 cans a day
0: the the issue is that a person like that Cannot agree with you on their podcast. Yep. Because they would have to shut down their podcast. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, and he's just a zealot. It's just, and, and it's, yeah, it, yeah. it's the, the extreme zealotry of it all. And it's funny. I knew this was going to happen because throughout the, the actual episode, he was kind of accepting it, but at the same time, and I was teaching him nuance, but at the same time, all he wanted to get was his clickbait, which was getting me to say 45 cans of diet soda a day is healthy for you. And he got his clickbait and then he made it into a video. And of course, because it's so funny, because then you actually listen to the whole. If anyone actually listens to the podcast episode, they would think he has no idea what he's talking about, because I'm explaining all the nuance. I'm explaining all this kind of stuff. But he got his little six second, 45 cans of diet soda a day is good for you, Um, because that's what he was looking for. And I'm like, I don't care. It's fine. Um, and so I was, I can't remember what I was talking to. I was, I was talking to I can't remember which registered dietitian it was, but they were like, David, I couldn't even get on a show like that. Cause, cause it is, <sighs> it's tough yeah. because here you are, I couldn't imagine being in your position because at least in my position, I just have a bachelor's degree and yes, I have my transformation, but in the scheme of things, there's enough, there's enough educational laps The fact that someone that couldn't even get through organic chemistry is telling a PhD in nutrition that they're an idiot is hilarious. Yeah, (laughs) like I couldn't even imagine from your lens where it's like I have a PhD in this stuff, guys. But then there's some just Fit Bro who is on the biggest who is on uh, Big Brother or whatever is telling you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, dude. You know the funny thing is I'm not against talking to those people at all. I I know a lot of people in my position. A lot of people in my position are. And my whole perspective is like, I'm not trying to get them to think I'm right. I'm trying to educate his audience. Yes. That's the way that I Dad see it. Like, I, do the I same don't thing. care if he's going to argue with me the whole time. I'm just going to present my point of view. Yep. And if they listen, they listen. And if they don't, they don't. Right. But I am for sure going to change at least one person's mind who's listening. hundred percent. Given that it's a, a large enough audience. Right. I had that similar experience not too long ago without naming any names, but I went on a pretty large podcast with a fairly controversial person and and people were like, why would you interact with that person? Why would you this time? Like, first off, like, they actually listened to a lot of the stuff that I had to say. And we actually agreed and changed their perspective on a couple things. But mm-hmm. I'm not doing it to like, talk to that person. That's not the purpose of the interview. The purpose is that that's going to go out to 1000s, if not 10s of 1000s of people. And they're going to listen to what I have to say. And many of them may change your mind and many, many may not. Right. And actually from that podcast, I got like five new clients that wanted to work with me, which was awesome. You know, <laughs> nice. um, I never understood why some people are completely against talking to people who are on the other side. And this goes for like everything. Now we're talking about nutrition, but it goes for politics. It goes for everything.
1: Yep. What, well, and, and it's the, the, the con, the, I hear this one all the time. Well, if you, if you, uh, if you valid, if you get on their Platform validating, validating them, yeah. which is like no, 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 no. you're challenging no. them, they're gonna yeah, keep speaking nonsense regardless. Yeah, so the like, my, I'm not a huge fan. This is going political, but it's like, I'm not a huge fan of even in the sense of people say this on, on, uh, I, I'm in, are you in the group community where it's like a bunch of big social media influencers? We all talk on, on, okay, I'll have to invite you in, um. Sure. Uh, so we're on discord and we have this discord community where a lot of big nutritional names are in it. We just talk sure. and put different stuff up in there. Um, I'll, I'll add you, um, but I might need to
0: change my discord name. It's a little, not that professional.
1: <laughs> I can't, even, I don't even remember what my, I think it's my name. Uh, but like Dr. Ids is in there. There's a bunch of people in there. Yeah. I'm good friends um, with Idz, and Idz he's
0: awesome. an awesome guy.
1: Idz is awesome. And, um, yeah. and, but one of the things that people were saying was they wanted these, these sell it's banned. And I'm like, I get where you're coming from, man, but you get into that world. It's a very dangerous world. And I'm an yeah. advocate of, you don't beat bad speech by spot, by censoring speech. You beat bad yeah. speech with better speech. Yeah. And as soon as you get to the censorship world, you lose because the conspiracy people will own it and grab it. Cause you're mm-hmm. actually validating their side because yep. you're act because by taking away, what should be a free right to everybody, you're actually validating more than yep. verbalizing and, and challenging. Yep. Um. And so, like, that's why it's like I'm not here. I, when I see different, like the the chiropractor that I got in a huge scuffle with, his <laughs> account got banned, and I'm like, I don't want to see that. Like, because yeah. c- I like because I don't want someone to ban me for a stupid yeah, 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 reason. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't I don't like that. I I, I think yeah. you beat bad speech with better speech.
0: Because then the um, question is, you know, the issue is. In an ideal world, misinformation shouldn't necessarily exist, right? Like, but then you go down to, like, who is deciding what is and is not being uh, banned, right? Exactly. That's second to what you were saying that, like, being banned itself is then weaponized as, like, empowering certain people, right? Because it is, right? Like, oh, I'm talking about this and they don't want me to. So they're trying to discredit me or like make me not talk because obviously what i'm spewing is the truth right that's usually the argument but then the other it's side is so like dangerous. okay who is the person deciding yep what is true and what is not and the truth is that all of us make, make mistakes right even 100%. the most educated people make mistakes and we're all biased as well so i think the only way to counteract that as you mentioned is just just complete free speech and let people have conversations the only thing that like the only perspective that i see is that like like you mentioned that type of messaging gets a ton of attention Mm-hmm. Right, it's like it gets way more attention than like unfortunately the stuff that you and I talk about. It's um, well, it is one what thing it to go is, off
1: that it's well, just it's not off of that, but it's like this idea. Like this is a tough one for people to understand. I I learned at a very young age how your lifestyle can really jack up your quality of health and and really put you in a bad position. And I mm-hmm. also can tell you, you can change it. Like, I reversed my prediabetes insulin resistance. I reversed my hypertension. My blood work. My last LDL was 65. Like, wow. Friggin' phenomenal. Yeah. Like, all, or 69. I think it was 69, 65, 69, somewhere in that range. Um, my last A1C was 3.9. Like, everything about my health is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, but at one point in time, it wasn't. And even though I know how much your own lifestyle can drastically affect the quality of your health, I don't believe that anyone should force another person to do anything. So like yeah. when people say like, well, what do you think about the people that are significant or weight going on, uh, on government controlled foods programs to, because it's in their best interest. I'm like, uh, uh-uh. nope. I don't, I don't, I, I. as much as I, I hope to inspire people, to yeah. learn how you can bake a cake and eat it too. You can yeah. live in a healthy and quality life and still indulge and still have some foods you enjoy and do all this kind of stuff. I don't think I have the power or anyone should have the power to control someone's self. Like I don't Certainly. I don't like that because it's just too dangerous. So yeah. I want to do it through through inspiration. Yeah. I want to yeah. do it through like teaching you te- from that point of view, but from control. I don't. Yeah. It's just, just, I don't like it. It's because it's just too dangerous. It's just not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of like telling people what they should and shouldn't do at all. Mm -hmm. It's probably because of my upbringing. I was told what I had to do always. Like (laughs) I grew up with a single mom who was the strictest person in the world. So I never had any like freedom or like ability to make Mm -hmm. choices over anything. And so like now I'm like the complete opposite. I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Like even with my clients, I use the words I recommend. I'm yep. not telling you, you should, you have to do this or you should do this. This is like, this, this is my recommendation. This is the reason why I recommend this. I think you, you should probably do this if you want to get that outcome, but like never, ever, ever like reprimand, or you need to do this or try to control people's, um, behaviors because it goes back to what we were saying. It's fear-based. Right. And it just doesn't yeah. work. Right. If In, we, an
1: internal guidance system, there has to be, yeah. I think anyone, anyone listening to this from like a clip, like if, if. You're at this point too, where it's like, I'm totally cool with having external motivation. Like for example, you as a coach, um, I, am a huge advocate. Like I say this early on, I will not be here forever. And if yeah. you're only, if the only way you do the right things is because I'm telling you to do them, that's how like having a guru and that doesn't work. Yeah. Like I'm not here to be your guru. And so it's okay that I, I'm an accountability for this transformation, but yeah. I tend to actually create a pattern where. I'm really c- connected with someone early on. And then I, without telling them, I slowly pull away. Yeah. And then if, and then what happens is I let them, if they start to fall off track, they can get pulled back in and we'll kind of break the pattern, get back on track. But I, my goal is like almost act like I slowly slide away and they just kind of do it naturally yeah. without me. Because if it, if there isn't some type of internal guidance system, driving these, mm-hmm. driving yourself to do the right things. And it's always through someone telling you what to do. Good luck like it just yeah. it creates the wrong mindset like it's got to be internally driven
0: certainly dude uh, yeah so much good information there i wanted to perhaps end this podcast with one more question that's something that i've been thinking about since the very beginning um okay so i've made video responses to this type of video and i'm thinking of one in spe- specifically i've seen all of these people on on tiktok or social media wherever it is talking about how for some people Weight loss is simply impossible. And this goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, right? And people's perhaps perceptions or experiences are all different. But I'm thinking about this one video in particular where this this um, one lady who is very overweight was saying that, and the, this is, it's tough, right? Because it goes, it also goes hand in hand with what we were saying of like, not telling people what they need to do or what they should do. Yep. But she was saying, you know, if somebody tells you that they can't lose their, that they can't lose weight to just take their word for it, because for some people, anytime this was her wording, they try to do a caloric deficit or go into caloric restriction, their body screams at them that they are starving. And so all they can think about is just food. And it is practically impossible to survive and live in that kind of situation. Let's say somebody listening to perhaps relate to that kind of messaging. Let's not even say it's right or wrong, right? Because I feel like most people probably uh, know what our perspective is there. But yeah. what would be some sort of like, feedback or recommendation you would give to that kind of person if that kind of person really wanted to make a change?
1: Hundred, actually, that's actually the number one place I would go. Which is, what do you actually want? Yeah. Like seriously, like I'm not, I'm not your dad, and I'll be the first one to say if someone wants to live a overweight life, yeah, and they want to sit on the couch and eat Cheetos and play video games, and and they understand that the that you're probably gonna live a less less lengthy life because you're probably there's illnesses involved with that. If you're okay with that, and that's what you want to do. You are no less of a person than I, like because you're living your life, and like what your life that you want to live is yours to live. Yep. However, if you want change and you don't like your current circumstances and you have these limiting beliefs or this this whole process, I'm going to challenge you that it's not true. And we can find tools and tactics, whether it's surgery, whether it's drugs, whether it's I don't care. But I, I will. I'm I'm a huge huge person of like the term empathy gets thrown all around a lot where, mm-hmm. and I think this get put out of context so much because sometimes the most empathetic thing you can do is challenge someone's limiting beliefs because, yeah. and, and so I sit here and go, okay, okay. If you think you're one of those people that you're not capable of change, you, the idea of restriction just scares the crap out of you and you failed every single time and everything you've ever done is, is wrong. And again, If you want to live this life purely because you're okay with it and like you're okay with what you're doing, not from a place of not a place of you not capable of changing, but you're like, hey, I just I like the way I live.
0: Fine, there's nothing wrong with
1: it. But if there's any piece of you that knows or wants more, you're capable of change. I get it. Like, (laughs) real talk. It's so funny because everything about my life was Sunshine and Rainbows. We're talking about Sunshine and Rainbows? Yeah. My dad was a uh, a very well-respected interventional cardiologist that grew up in the South Side of Chicago, super poor, or relatively poor. And he and I grew up in a, in a household where my dad used to put me on a, on the, the bathroom table, make me look myself in the mirror and say, tell that man you love him. My yeah, mom, incredible soul. My dad, incredible soul. I grew up at a 7,000-square-foot house with an indoor basketball court in my house wow I had all the friends all the all the all the everything you could ask for in a family upbringing I uh, resources I had access to and yet when I was 18 years old 400 pounds I almost ended my life twice no wow. one knew I felt so trapped in my 400 pound body thinking that's who I was and the idea of being trapped in that body for 40 50 years felt so insurmountably painful I almost ended my life twice and I didn't talk about it until I published my first book. And when I showed my dad the manuscript, he, I've witnessed my dad cry four times my entire life. That was one of them. Um, He thought he was a failure as a father for that whole situation. And I was like, dad, there was no way for you to know. No one knew. I was the funny outgoing kid that everyone thought had everything together. And I felt so trapped at 400 pounds that I thought ending my life was the only way out of it. So I get it. I get what it means to feel trapped. It's not true. like it, there's always there's there's always something that can be done, whether it's surgery, whether it's drugs, whether it's um, therapy, there's something that we can do to move yeah. you in the right direction um, and I get it like but the most empathetic thing I can do right now is to challenge you that if you don't actually like where you're at, but you don't think it's possible, that's okay. but you can.
0: yeah believing that you can make at least a little bit of change and put the effort towards making some change um is so powerful man right i'm i'm so happy that you've shared a lot of your experiences because you you truly don't know what people struggle with internally right mm-hmm. and i've dealt with adversity in my life just like everybody has and <clears throat> i used to have the like mindset of like you deal with it internally and you don't share those things because that was kind of how like my family brought me up my I, I come from a cuban background okay so my parents are cuban um just coming from like a, a communist country like hard upbringing it's like you're tough you deal with stuff you don't talk about emotions you just you get shit done and you you just handle it right and that's kind of like the culture which in many ways isn't constructive or beneficial in any way because yep. i i i've realized that one talking about these things openly helps me right? Just makes me feel more okay with the things that I have experienced. And two, it is so incredibly helpful towards other people, right? Um, Like somebody may be listening to this, who may be in a similar situation, who has been struggling with these things. And they're like, oh, wow, David gets it. David experienced these things. He almost ended his life twice. Maybe they've experienced something similar. And this message can be really helpful right that's why I am I'm such a huge proponent of like man just talk about things like just be transparent any anybody who's a a good person is not going to judge you they're not going to think any less of you right I just experienced this I was on a cruise last week um with my wife and son and I was in the gym getting a little workout and I was doing some dumbbells there's a guy next to me um he seemed a little bit like shy and intimidated because he was overweight he was doing some dumbbells so I just started some conversation with him i'm really friendly i just start conversation with everybody and i don't remember how we started talking about it but we started talking about uh sleep oh i was saying like i didn't get good sleep because my baby uh kept me up a couple of days and like uh he was like maybe you have uh what's what's the term um uh I'm blanking on the term here, sleep apnea. And I was like, no, I don't have sleep apnea. And I was like, without getting into too much detail, I dealt with some childhood trauma stuff. And like, I'm a really light sleeper. Like any small little sound wakes me up. So the baby moves or whatever, I wake up. And he was like, oh, I get it. I get it. And then we didn't talk about it anymore there. And then later that day, I was at the pool with my son. and He saw me and he came up to me. He was like almost in tears telling me that He's been thinking about that. And like, cause he has night terrors all the time and like how having professional help helped him a ton. Just it's like, wow, man, like just a short little message of like slightly sharing my experience was helpful t- towards this guy, you know? And, mm-hmm. and it's just cool how sharing those experiences can be so beneficial. Like um, the reason why I even brought up that video specifically and that type of messaging is because although again, I'm all for freedom of speech, that type of message is so harmful yep. to so many people, right? Cause if somebody is overweight, Perhaps they've been using methods that are too restrictive or just like the thing, the thing that I talk about in, in the book that I'm writing is that like most dieting methods are set up for you to fail. Right. And yep. those are the things that most people do. So if you've been doing those things for years, having no success, and now you see this other person who's in a similar position to you telling you like, hey, you actually can't change at all. Like for some people that might almost be like a, a sense of relief. Right. It's like, oh, I've just been trying to do something that I can't do. Maybe I should just give up and then they give up but like internally they still really want that change and that you know what's the term there is um cognitive dissonance right yep. where like your behaviors are different than what you actually want it's so hurtful man oh it, it, <laughs> it destroys, sucks, right you. And, and it's yeah. and
1: it's like you sit there and um it turns into a self-fulfilling prophecy and exactly i mean, I mean even my community and stuff like that I, I challenge people all the time but it's it's also one of those things where it doesn't matter how good you are, and this is this is one of the things that people who tend to have a. And this is why I love Lane and a lot of different people that are are objectively scientific and look at variables and acknowledge them, like for example, limited resources. Like if you're if you come from a financially uh, suppressed yeah. community, it does make it harder because you can't get certain foods that make the process of feeling fuller and so like that easier. So again talking about those things and creating tools and tactics to help influence that is something that can be completely talked about. Yeah. Flip side of the coin. There's a lot of people that have how do I liberal mindset in the sense of like not in the sense of like political but they believe in like the idea of if you create the perfect system, everyone will do the right thing. Like if everyone had access to to, to the resources of food and the food was free and they had unlimited time, everyone would be healthy and happy bullshit. Yeah, not true. Not true. Because people have choice. Mm-hmm. And that is something that the person that believes in the perfect system like if we had a government that just paid for everything, everyone would be healthy and happy. It's just not true because the you you're taking out <laughs> one of the most fundamental variables, which is the it individual. You yeah. can't like you can't take the individual out of the equation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as much as you want to say it's all resource driven or all access driven, it's just not because you're taking yeah. out this and you can't yeah. take out the individual. You just can't. And so you can create the, the perfect system all you want. You will never have a 100% success rate because people have choice. And yeah. whether you like it or not, people can know that they're making a choice that's not in their best self-interest. It happens all the time. There are yeah. doctors who still smoke cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They have yeah, access to true. every drug, every outlet they could ask for. There's still doctors that smoke cigarettes.
0: Hey guys, some of you may not know that I'm the scientific advisor for a supplement company called Outwork Nutrition. I help with the formulation of new products to help ensure that they're effective and backed by science. Unlike many other supplement companies out there, we don't rely on exaggerated claims or flashy marketing tactics. Instead, we let the science speak for itself. We take pride in formulating products that deliver real results, helping you achieve your fitness goals in a meaningful way. If you're in the market for supplements like protein powder, pre-workout, or recovery products, make sure to check us out at outworknutrition.com. And as a thank you for being an avid listener of this podcast, use code Joey for an exclusive discount at checkout. You can find the link to our website down in the description of this podcast episode. Remember, our goal is to empower you with science-backed supplements that truly make a difference. Choose Outwork Nutrition and elevate your fitness to new heights. Yeah, it's it's I remember when I was doing my PhD, we used to go to this conference and the person who was in charge of like the nutrition and obesity research was obese themselves. So it's like it's not knowledge, right? Yep. It's individual choices, one aspect of it. Um,
1: it, it plays a and but flips out the coin like yeah. It's all choice. Don't be a baby. No, like, oh, no, like no. There's variables that we can directly talk about that that we can like. Again, it's just being honest. Like let's yeah. get the let's get the ego out. Let's be objectively honest and realistic as we can, because then we can actually move the needle the most. Yeah. Like like that's that's when you can actually move the needle the most, and it's scary because I do this these the the last TikTok live from yesterday. um, Really hit me in 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 an interesting way because people always make snarky comments all the time. I don't really care It's like it's life, but it's kind it was the combination that made it so funny Um, Someone commented David you've been down 200 pounds for a decade. Move on. Why are you on here? And then literally (laughs) That's actually um, pretty funny. (laughs) Oh, it's hysterical and then literally within moments of that message. Someone asked me. Hey, my doctor uh, Just put me on a 1200 calorie diet um, I'm 415 pounds. Do you agree with that? And I'm like, no, This is why. Yeah. No. The, th- this is why I'm here. The fact that we still have medical professionals recommending 1,200 calorie diets to 400 pound people, you are out of your friggin' yeah. mind. And it's like, I, 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 I'm not a medical professional, but it's like, it's just, I can tell you that person, whoever that doctor is, isn't using medical research to justify their decision making. Like, because no, no the one's fact doing that, that.
0: Unfortunately, medical professionals don't have formal training and nutrition. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah. And but then the, just like, I, I had this conversation with my
1: dad. What do you think though? So like, the, the, I'm going to be a little more, I'm going to be a little more uh, hypercritical. If you are a general practitioner in this day and age, and you're just a family prac and you're just doing day to day, just like, you're not specialized, you're just doing family, family medicine type stuff. And you're not hyper educated inside of of the realistic sequence to yeah, yeah, yeah. for weight loss. Yeah, it's pure laziness and incompetence at this point. Because yeah. obesity is so bad, overweightness, being overweight is so bad in America. It's it's not like 30, 30 years ago where you only saw a three or four hundred pound person every yeah hundred like two hundred clients, three hundred yeah. patients, four hundred patients. It was it's pretty rare. Now it's like it's all the time. So if you're if you're still giving really bad advice as
0: a general prac,
1: yeah. I just I almost think it's it's incompetence. I'm sorry. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm definitely not excusing it at all. <laughs> I'm not excusing it whatsoever. Yeah. But it's they definitely don't receive some formal education on basic nutrition stuff in school. You know, yep. so you fall prey to whatever sort of first messaging you 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 hear you and like you give some one people some of this, study. You own it. Yeah, and you give some of these people these recommendations, and what happens? They lose weight because. Being very restrictive will result in that and so then it just like confirms their beliefs right i think that's what it is and it's just like lack of trying to continue educating themselves yeah. um shit i was gonna say something dude i can't believe i just blanked i was thinking on something important man it was an, uh, did it
1: involved general practitioners and stuff or was it a whole pivot
0: no it was before that it was something about what we were talking about before anyways it is what it is man but but true. yeah dude it's it's just sad it's sad to see how prevalent that information is still. It Um, is.
1: And like, that's where, that's where I'm in a place where I'm at now. Um, And personally, like I've been playing, like I'm finally getting out of, um, like, I understand you can do some great things with one-on-one and group coaching. You can't scale to help thousands doing it. No, Um, And so that's actually where I'm at a point now where I'm in the process of building out like a full community business and stuff like that. Cause I really want to make a deep seated impact in like, extreme transformation um so like not just people who lose 40 50 but like anyone who needs to lose over 100 pounds um and so like but that whole world it's still so fascinating how it's so there's just nothing like there's nothing out there you have these little pockets of bariatric surgery and this and this but even then like i hate to say this but most bariatric surgeons they cut your stomach and they leave yeah. 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 And like, yeah. that's not, it's not been like, I've, de- I've dealt yeah. with those horror stories with clients and people where it's like,
0: yeah, it's uh... nothing. afterwards, <laughs> Dude, I actually remembered what I was going to share. Yeah. And it's, you know, I consider myself a pretty resilient person. And, and for, I've always thought about this, like, I have a lot of uh, belief in myself. And one of the reasons is because like, I've constantly been able to prove that I can do the things that I want to do. Right. But I've always thought about like, man, where did that come from? And one thing I'm really grateful for, and I mentioned that like my mom was really strict and I had, I mean, everybody does, right? Uh, adversity when they grew up. Um, and I was really resentful for a lot of things. One thing that I'm really grateful for is that coming from this mindset of like, you have to be hard, you have to make it, you have to do it. It's like, my mom always made me believe that nobody was better than me. Not that I was better than anybody else, but nobody was above me, right? So, like, if somebody else accomplished something, I could do it. Why not, right? And its I think it's not even, like, a a cocky or egotistical way of thinking. It's just, like, man, if that person can do it, why can't I, right? If David lost 200 pounds, why can't I, right? If this person got their PhD, and I really want to learn about this, too, why can't I? Mm -hmm. It's just, like, believing that you can do things. And then being resilient, too continue pushing when you face adversity. That's the part that like so many people struggle with. And I don't know why. I do think part of it is perhaps maybe upbringing. Ever since I was a little kid, man, like I can remember like if I ever said something I was bad at something, my mom was like, "No, you're not. You just like haven't practiced it," right? It's it's like to the other extreme like. Yep. I wasn't dude, I was not allowed to even say like I'm bored. His mom was like, "There's things to do. What do you mean you're bored?" Yeah, go like, you know, yeah, 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 exactly, which in many ways was very very um good right but if if people can get to the point where they like truly believe that they can accomplish something i think that's the most powerful thing right because anytime i tell myself i want to do something like i actually really want to do it i just do it and the reason why is because like i really think i could do it right Mm -hmm. like um i don't know if you know or not but i actually uh resigned from team BioLink about a month ago Oh, okay. And it was really, it was scary for me to like, because I've, I've, and this is something that I talked to Lane, even from like the beginning, like I've always wanted to do my own thing. Like mm-hmm. that's always been my goal. And it was just really scary. Right. Because going from a position of security to no security is yeah. scary. Right. But I was like, man, like if this person did it and that person did it and that person did it, like, why can't I, I, yeah. I can do it. Like, so I was like, F it. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. And I started about a month ago and things are going really well. It's, you know, it's just like jumping off the cliff with confidence and just moving forward in the face of adversity. Um, it's a hard skill to develop, but I think it's, it's pivotal, man. It's critical to, to having success with anything really.
1: And so to really go off that, well, there, there's two sides of this coin that I think plays a huge role. Um, which is, there's also a thing called like law of acclimation, which is the idea of we're actually way better as humans acclimating oh, to new environments than we are to create like, like for example um, a lot of people listening to this, especially if you're significant overweight are going to go through this process. you you have a dying parent, you have a dramatic uh, school year, you got a uh, drama at work. There's always something. And you're probably playing the game right now when this issue subsides, then I'll have the emotional headspace and the resources to go do what I really want to do, which is lose a hundred pounds.
0: Yeah, and it's not true at all.
1: And it it's a constant revolving door. Yeah. Because true. because there's always going to be something. There's like life happens people. to everyone. And I deal with this constantly with people. They always they're always trying to say I'll 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 do it when this specific stressor ends. And and the whole problem with that is there's always going to be something. Now, now, I, I still, I think it's super important to acknowledge that in really dramatic situations, the number one goal may be just to not lose track or not lose ground, and that's totally fine. Um, like I have had people who were like, David, I'm going through nursing school, this, this, and this. I'm like, cool, the goal for you for the next six months because of your work schedule is to not lose, not gain weight. Yep. Not yep. to lose weight, just don't gain. Like the, yep. that, that that's your only goal. Like that's a win, um, which is totally fine. We go through those seasons. Yeah. But law of acclimation, you will acclimate, we're way better at acclimating to things than planning out all the situations in your life that are gonna fit perfectly yeah. for you to get something done. It's yep. like this documentary right now. Like I set this documentary up three months ago and I got umpteen uh, investment upfront. Um, I needed to figure out how to get the umpteen second half figured out. And I had this timeline and this date and I had no idea. No, yeah. I've never done a documentary. I've never, now I had a, like my director has done many and he, he obviously has the skill set and the knowledge to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I personally had no idea. And yeah, I was, he's like, this is all I want you to focus on. Get this, this, and this done in this timeline and you're good. Okay, cool. I'm gonna go do it. I have no idea. I, I had, uh, my dad's going through a knee replacement. I have all this other stuff on the table, but I, I'm gonna act. I said, yes, this is the timeline. I'm gonna figure it out. Yeah. And there, it, it, the acclimation has actually been so much better in certain environments because like you just adapt, you just shift. You have you, to. You're in you a position to. where you have to do it, um,
0: right? It's yeah. it, it's that's perfectly said, man, like over the past entire year, I've been thinking of things I want to do and like trying to make progress mm-hmm. towards them, but they didn't really make much progress. In the past month since i've been on my own i've made more progress than i have in the past year hundred percent you had to acclimate you're like all right
1: i just i just i just just jumped off a cliff i better i better sprout some wings exactly i have to we're gonna figure it out man i'm I'm (laughs) building wings
0: (laughs) yeah thankfully i've always been i've always felt really comfortable just knowing that i have to figure it out yeah um which i don't know maybe genetic maybe environmental i'm just happy that i think that way
1: (laughs) well i think but but also confidence so like so for example I went through a huge phase where I resented my 400-pound life. A lot of people yeah. get in these positions where they play the what-if game. I went through the, like, I'm 6'1", 235. I'm going I'm to top of my bulk right now, 6'1", 235. I'm a monster. Like, I'm yeah. a good-looking guy. Like, th- things are pretty solid for me. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. Now. And I went through a phase, like, what my life would have been like if I was like this in high school. Could I have played college football? Yeah. Could I have done this? What could I have done? Yeah. And like, number one, helpful. that just doesn't benefit you. And two, like, I'll be honest, if I wasn't 400 pounds in high school with the upbringing I had, I would not have the grit I have. Yeah. Because losing the 200 pounds, the grit that was built, the discipline yep. that was built, the confidence from achieving something that was really freaking hard. Now I'm in a position now where it's like, oh, this documentary, I'm gonna figure it out. This building this, launching this, this transformational company with all the nuance involved, all the legal, I have no idea. I'm going to figure it out. Like, because it's like, if I can do hard things here, I can do hard things anywhere. And so sometimes you got to know that your biggest adversities are also your biggest benefits because that's where Mm -hmm. grits formed. And like, you see it constantly. The people who are given everything, they, they, they fall to everything because like they've never, there's, there's certain things and that's people that don't understand is you can be given all the resources in the world. You can be given all the, the, all the extra leg up on the world, but if the individual is lacking that, that fundamental like grit, that emote, that you can't, that's, you can't buy it. Like, yeah. that's why, that's why billionaire by, by the great grandkids of billionaires, they're broke and most of them yeah. are drug addicts.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's sad, man. It's sad. It just doesn't work.
1: Yeah. And so, and so like be grateful of different grit that you have to build in your
0: life yeah. because
1: it, it plays a huge role in, in the quality of your life moving forward.
0: Yeah. Dude. Um, honestly, I could talk about this forever, I do. <laughs> it's, it's dangerous. I could talk forever. Yeah. Baby's getting up and I need to go, uh, do some dad duties, man. But I, again, Appreciate you tremendously for taking time, David. I hey, um, It was a pleasure. You know, like most of the, pretty much what I've realized about all these podcasts is that they start pretty professional, talking about like science and stuff, and then uh, the conversation always gets better towards the end. Um, and I really appreciate you sharing everything that you did about your personal life. Um, Absolutely. I'm sure this will inspire and help a ton of people. Um, dude, if somebody is looking to connect with you, work with you, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, so all my social media handles are fit underscore drock. Instagram, TikTok. Um, it's crazy enough. I'm actually not taking on any clients right now. Sorry. Okay. Um, but that even though you weird. still have
0: a ton of great uh, information online that people can learn from.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Like that. I mean, yeah. most of my stuff, to be honest, is free. Like, and no. I don't do any paywall crap. Like, if we, if you hop on one of my TikTok lives and you ask a question, I'm not gonna go. You gotta pay me first. Like, no, yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm yeah, here yeah, to help yeah. people. And if you help enough people get what they want, you get everything you want more. Like that's that's how I that's believe life very is very
0: true. It's like being generous selfishly does benefit you a ton. 100%. In
1: <laughs> yeah. the end, it always does. Like because you create a call yeah. following that like that when you actually give a shit and you actually care about people, in the end in the end it wins. Like yeah, clickbait totally. people, the liver kings of the world, they'll make a quick fifteen million, and that's cool yeah. and dandy. Um, but even everyone I don't know Have you seen this Liver King stuff lately It's not good Like most people are like Yo You are you look bad Like Everyone's yeah. worried about him Because he's back on cycle And he's looking Crazier than ever Yeah, yeah. Um, And so like when it, In the end I, I'm here to help people For 50 years Not make a quick 10 million dollars And then live in Barbados Like that's not
0: Yeah that's Although enough. a quick 10 million would, nice. <laughs>
1: would be nice It would be nice It would be nice
0: Anyways, brother, I'm super grateful to have connected with you and gotten to know you a little bit better. We'll definitely stay in touch. Again, thank you for everything and we'll speak soon.
1: Hey, it was a pleasure.